You're listening to The Lost Bay Podcast, a show about and with indie tabletop RPG game designers and artists. I'm Iko. This is the second episode of a three-part miniseries on TTRPG zines. The first one was an interview with Leo from LFOSR, maker and publisher of limited editions of bespoke handcrafted RPG zines. And this one is about community copies. Community copies are free copies of RPG games or adventures people can download from the internet for free. It's a way for designers and publishers to support members of the community who can't afford, for whatever reason, to buy a game. In this episode, we are going to take a closer look at what some people in the community start to call IRL community copies, as in-real-life community copies. These are physical copies of zines distributed for free in various places, mainly in little free libraries. You know, these boxes one can find sometimes by the side of the road where people drop books and sometimes even supplies. In this episode, we are going to spend some time with three indie game designers and accompany them while they print, prepare and distribute some in-real-life community copies. This is the sound of the Shakori, Saponi and Inno lands. Those lands are just outside the town of Gibsonville in North Carolina, USA. When I received by mail this audio recording, I listened to it in loop. I don't know why there's something in this sound, maybe the birds in the distance. I thought I, I want to see that place. a sharpie in my hand, the sun is on my back, I am sitting at my front porch on a little picnic table, and in front of me is my assembly station for putting together the community copies I'm dropping off today. This is Sean Patrick Kane, designer of Long Hole 1983, a beautiful solo journaling RPG in which you play as a long haul truck driver trying to make their way home in a dying world. I would love to write a handwritten note in those things, but there are very specific rules, and if you are providing a book to an incarcerated person, you cannot have any hint of handwriting. For the other community copies that are going to supply centers and the local little libraries, I'm putting together a little package in a very generic Ziploc bag goes a copy of the book, a player sheet that's printed out, four dice so that people have exactly what they need to play the game, and then inside the front cover I'm just putting a little adhesive shipping label and handwriting a note that basically says, hi, I'm Sean, I'm from the area, this book is a game, it invites you to tell a cool, original, exciting story, read it, 
play it, share it, cherish it, pass it on, just make sure it doesn't sit in a closet looking, you know, lonely for the rest of its life. And then I put my name in my contact information so that people understand that this is a local game from a local person. Thinking ahead to the day, I know that, you know, dropping stuff off silently and walking away is rarely the magical thing we imagine. <laughs> but right now, thinking about, you know, someone unzipping the plastic bag and grabbing the dice and reading the notes, it's really exciting. And I'm really glad I'm able to do this. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of the day. I'm standing next to a very adorably painted filing cabinet on the side of a road. Uh, it is labeled Free Finds, and it's a place where people from town can pick up and drop off some basic supplies. Um, in the top drawer is food. We see pasta, beans, canned goods, ramen. The next filing cabinet is says supplies, and then the bottom two are labeled books. And inside you see some old history textbooks, some religious books, some, you know, dime store romance fiction. There's some great VHS tapes in here. Dragonheart, Legends of the Fall, Color of Night starring Bruce Willis. So I'm just gonna plop my package right in. Hopefully somebody interested will find it, pick it up, use it, play it, pass it on, and, you know, give it to the next person. Sean is going to the public library of Gibsonville to drop some books and we'll meet again with him as soon as he gets out. The drop-off went super smooth. I had a pair of books ready for the library. The librarian that I spoke to was brand new and a little bit confused when I started giving the spiel of how this book is actually a game and so it goes in the game section and I have a bag of dice if you want those to go with the game and let me know. I may have been a bit over enthusiastic, but the librarian was super appreciative and really interested and very grateful for the copies of the book. I drove into the city where I parked in front of the town commons, which normally is home for a very fancy and bougie weekend farmer's market. I'm actually looking at some beautiful and discarded red tomatoes standing right next to me as I record this. You might hear some people setting up tables and unpacking boxes in the background. That's because today the commons is home to what we call the really, really free market, which is organized by anarchists and other community members there is no exchanging, selling, or any kind of currency here. The idea is that people can bring what they don't need and take what they do with the central principle that everyone deserves food, shelter, entertainment, and community. 
I'm here more specifically because there are members of the local prison books collective here who take requests and ship books directly to incarcerated individuals. Apparently, one of the books that are often requested and that the collective has a really hard time filling are role-playing games and storytelling games and other interactive fiction. So I'm here to drop off every last book in my box that I have and to get some details and logistics so that I can go home and share it with other game designers and small presses so that next month I can bring more books here and other people can maybe even start shipping directly to the Prison Books Collective to get some of their amazing work to people who would really appreciate it. I'm at my table right now looking at my laptop screen and on the screen is a spreadsheet full of names and email addresses and mailing addresses. These are the first requests for physical community copies that came from a Google form that I shared on social media a few days ago. There are people from all over the United States. Most of them have said that they're individuals who just want to read or play the game. There is someone who's connected to a library and wants to offer it as an opportunity for like the community members. There's another person who is in a college who is starting a gaming group that is built around not being a Dungeons and Dragons playing group. And they said they wanted a copy to kind of have something physical on hand to show people that, you know, another world is possible. And there are lots of styles and genres and forms of games outside of D&D. We like to think a lot about access and accessibility in our scene. We talk a lot about eliminating and subverting gatekeeping. We talk about welcoming new people and opening up our indie community. And I think we know that having a book in your hand matters. It's not the only way of enjoying a game. It's not the only way of reading. It's not the only way of consuming or studying or anything else. But I think we've all had those experiences of having something in our hands and the connection that can sometimes be made only through that. Right now, as a first attempt in kind of getting free books out into the world, I feel really accomplished with my errands today. And I'm really excited about thinking about what comes next. That was Sean Patrick Kane talking to us from the Shakuri, Saponi, and Inolands. in an ancient and beautiful forest. Noon, middle of October. It's pretty chilly out. This is Yochai Gal, designer of the forest fantasy RPG Cairn. 
just started to really move into fall. The trees have all changed colors and there's a definite sense of foreboding that accompanies this time of year. I love it personally. I think the experience of being outside is only expanded through changes in the weather. I grew up in a place that didn't have massive changes like we do here in New England, so I look forward to the coming of winter, and damn, it's going to get cold. Yochai recorded these audio segments in autumn, but if I try to picture his house, I imagine it covered with snow, like a small cabin in the middle of an enchanted forest, because I know that Yochai lives close to the forest. He shared recently a picture taken from the window of his office, tall trees covered with snow, and a little brown fox taking a walk in the garden. I'm sitting in my office. I have a small desk in the corner. It's wood and probably two feet across. There is a um, stack of Karen character sheets, nice quality ones. I have printed at this local worker-owned print shop in town. I put those, usually two, inside a copy of every Karen that I give away. Behind me is a box of about 125 copies of Karen, neatly stacked. The stack of documents to my left are mostly adventures that I've self-printed here on my HP Color LaserJet, which by the way does not do edge-to-edge printing kind of sucks because I have to cut everything. Big mistake on my part. I have in my hands here Barrow of the Elf King, which is I think for the vanilla game maybe? Anyways, it's from Highland Paranormal Society. I have this uh, Rot King's Sanctum, the original Boven print on cardstock color. Looks fantastic, honestly. You can now get that in his own system, Durf, as well. Oh, and I have Layer of the Gobbler, same guy. Very nice print. I have this Cares and Cronogs issue one print on cardstock in color as well. It's from uh, Matt uh, Morris, who also does a bunch of awesome um, stuff for Mouse Ritter, the burnable zines and adventures. Really productive. Oh, and I have a little pocket mod of Perplexing Rune's Tomb. I've got um, another stack here of really unique, like, there are no other copies of these in the world. These are maze rats printed from Mixam and really high quality stock made into a booklet. This is from my friend Ray Otis, who got permission to print a bunch for himself. He did the cover and back. It's kind of a crazy looking rat holding a wand in its hands. And there's a arrow stabbing it in the tail. And it has the words maze rats written into its chest. It's a pretty crazy cover. There are 50 of these, I think, in the world. And he sent me a stack so I could disseminate them as I saw fit. And people who get them for free around here will never know how lucky they are. These are all the kinds of things that I like to distribute with Karen. It's about 3.45 p.m. It's really cold, which is... uh, Actually kind of nice. It means more time indoors, more time playing games and that stuff. 
I'm uh, walking to my car with a little stack of zines with dice. You can hear them. It's very exciting. Usually I drive to the various locations where I drop these off. There's a lot of them, actually. I have, like, at this point, I think I have 25, maybe, different little libraries near my kids' daycare. There's at least, like, five or six in just one area. And I'm, it's kind of close to the high school, so I, I imagine... A lot of people, a lot of kids and teenagers are walking home and might poke inside these little libraries and maybe see something, something cool one day. Getting in my car now. I'm not going to record and drive because Eco said it's dangerous. I just parked my car in this weird little village, I guess you'd call it. I think the street is called Musanti Street. Musanti and Ford Crossing, according to this. There is no one around, but I do see a little free library. So, uh, getting out of my car. This will be the first time I've actually been to this one. Musanti and Ford Crossing. I googled that. I went on Google Maps. I wanted to see the little free library, but I couldn't find it. The Google Street View was recorded in 2013, and the little free library wasn't there yet, I guess. What I saw was really nice though, and so exotic, you know, for me. A Mediterranean dude living in Paris. Moussantian Fort crossing in Massachusetts looked so different from what I know. I could see that a lot of trees had already put out yellow and brown leaves announcing the coming of autumn. I can only imagine the explosion of colors those trees will offer during the fall season. I daydreamed a bit trying to picture the people who are going to find and pick the zines that your high was about to drop. It's a cute little area. Not a lot of fences. And there's a bunch of books here. Oh, a man called Ove. Books on improving your pasta. Oh, Sophie's Choice. Nothing else like what I'm leaving there, but that's okay. I hope people around here are excited by it, or maybe they'll just throw it out. Who knows? It would be a waste. And that's it. There's no one around, unfortunately, so nobody to ask or anything. I can mark that one off the list, I guess. There must be a sense of mystery in not knowing what happens to the book you drop. What do they become and who picks them? It's like a dialogue, but you never meet the person you are talking to. But still, they are there, you are talking to them. I'm walking back from one of the little free libraries around the corner from my house. I try to actually avoid that one 
because I do it so frequently that <laughs> I'm sure whoever's walking by there has seen the same game or the same little booklet with dice a bunch of times by now. And so I try to go further out with my each visit. I don't always put maze rats or knave or cairn. Sometimes I just put an adventure or other people's stuff <laughs> that they've sent me. And I guess the hope there is that you'll see the same people a couple different times who now will come back excited, looking for more. You know, one time they'll find a copy of Knave, and another time they might find an adventure for a different system, maybe spread their wings a bit. I think the reason that I do this is because I try to imagine myself when I was just getting into the hobby. I started with role-playing games in the late 90s. Like many people who are probably listening to this, I, was a, I wasn't a loner. I really liked people. They just didn't like me. There's many reasons for that, but for whatever reason, I, I was alone most of the time. And I actually found a copy of Palladium Fantasy. I, I, I got this book at like a used book sale or something. I didn't know what it was. And I kind of just played by myself. And I loved the idea that you could be like a changeling or, or a wolfkin or all these different, you know, made up races. And um, really felt inspired by that. I had scratched an itch that I didn't even know I had had. So when I think about teenager or young adult or an old person, whoever, you know, randomly poking their heads into one of these little library boxes and see a little dice bag sticking out, I can just imagine what that would feel like, that curiosity. I think what I'm looking for is that sense of discovery that I had finding Palladium so many years ago and the wonder that that left me with. I'm hoping that that is sparked in people who find the booklets themselves today. I can tell that when I go back to restock these, they're gone. People are taking them. So hopefully it's not just some parent throwing them out. If even one person discovers something new, I mean, it's worth it to me. God, it's beautiful here. We are going back to North Carolina now, where we'll be meeting with Caverns of Heresy and his two-and-a-half-year-old son, Weston. Caverns of Heresy designed a rules-light game called Rockland, which has really cool exploration procedures. Recently, four years ago, me and my wife bought a house in a neighborhood that has 
a lot of the little free library boxes throughout our walking trails. One day we were out for a walk and I checked out one of the boxes and I saw a collection of like 1960s staple bound Delta Airlines cookbooks that they gave out to their passengers that were flying various routes. There was one related to the Caribbean, there was a New England cookbook, there was a Cajun or New Orleans cookbook, something like that. I ended up giving those to my dad. He has a nice little cookbook collection and I thought those were pretty cool. So gave those to him. And from there is when I really started just thinking about putting an entire package together with dice and a notebook and pencil and everything. I started treating it as a, you know, if I were a kid walking to school and I came across one of these, you know, how would I feel about getting this totally random unknown game book and different pamphlets with adventures and a little notebook and everything. As a kid, I would absolutely love finding that. So that really set off the entire thing. We have, I don't know, maybe five or six uh, free library boxes throughout our neighborhood walking trails and a ton of kids. A ton of kids and adults that are actually into adventure gaming and D&D and other role-playing games. We have a little group here in the neighborhood that gets together during the summers and just hangs out in the driveway and uh, play some games and, and whatever. So first, I typically always include just a cheap mechanical pencil uh, in each uh, packet. The packets that I typically use here are just the reused zine packages that come whenever I buy uh, zines and, and little booklets and stuff from uh, online. I typically include a small notebook, a blank notebook. I have a polyhedral set of dice, so d4 up to d20. Um, I also include two little sheets of paper that explain what the dice are. I've encountered a lot of people that uh, don't actually even know what polyhedral dice are and represent, so I have this little picture graph that shows what they are and, and what they do. Alright, so me and my two and a half year old son Weston are packed up in the stroller. I have all the uh, book packs with me and we're headed out. So we are here at the first box and I have the first packet here. I'm just going to go ahead and tuck it up, make sure the dice is shown, just tuck it up in there and I think that's it. This one's pretty full actually, I don't know, there's probably a good 30, 30 or 40 books here. Oh, sweet. So this one has a, oh wow, has a full set of the uh, six Choose Your Own Adventure books. That's pretty cool. I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna actually take this and see what I can do. Head off to the next one here, lock it up. All right, that's it.
Hey Weston, whenever you're older, are you going to play games with Dad? No, I'm two. I know you're two, but whenever you're older, are you going to want to play games with Dad? Yeah. Yeah. Alright, let's head home. You've been listening to The Lost Bay Podcast, a show about indie tabletop role-playing games and the people who make them. This episode has been recorded by Sean Patrick Kane, Yochai Gal, and Caverns of Heresy. Additional sounds are from freesound.org. It's produced by me, Ico. Development and editing supervision by Laura Elle. And music is Done With Fish by Lightsoft. On the webpage of the episode, you'll find contact info of all the guests at thelostbaystudio.com and a link to a tutorial on how to make community copies on itch.io. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to the show directly in the application where you are listening to it right now. The show exists thanks to the support of its patrons. If you want to become a patron yourself, head to patreon.com slash thelostbay. Thanks a lot for listening. Stay well.